0: Well, good morning. I am uh, Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm glad to have you guys. Uh, with us. Those who are regular in attendance, thanks for being here. Those who are visiting, we're, gl- we're uh, glad to have you as well. Those who are listening online later, thank you for listening online later and doing what you do. Um, before I get rolling this morning, two things I want you to know about. One, um, I stood up here at the beginning of the year in what we call the State of the Union Address, uh, the State of the Church Address or what have you, and-, and said a variety of things. And one of those things that I said that was a personal goal and challenge of mine to get after was running a marathon. Uh, you all know that I hate running, um, well, some of you now you know I hate running and i don 't i don't like it. This is a challenge for me mentally and physically as well uh, and I want you to know that 's scheduled for next for this coming Saturday. I also want you to know that i 'm pretty discouraged because in the last month, my training has um, set me backwards in terms of my back. I have a historically bad back, a couple of desiccated discs and bone spurs and all that. And so I just want you to know I'm actually not able to run the marathon, which I'm very disappointed about. But I want you to, to know that just so in case you ever find that out on your own, you don't think I just bailed because it was too hard. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah. discouraged by that, but that's kind of the reality of my life. So it has nothing to do with the morning this morning other than following up and kind of keeping that integrity thing with you. As I told you, I was heading after something. It's not going to happen right now. So I want you to know that. Um, okay, uh, secondly, I want you to know in two weeks... Um, we're starting a new series. Two weeks is Easter, and we're starting a new series called Jesus What If? And uh, if you are someone or know someone who has questions about Jesus um, and, and the implications uh, of, of who he is, we're really going to try to stop in the middle of life and ask the question, what if Jesus is actually who he says he is? What if his claims are actually true? Okay? And, and we're going we're gonna to stop and pull back and, and consider the implications of, of that kind of thinking. And so the first week, we're going to really talk about the resurrection. in Jesus, what if it, the resurrection actually happened? And what if he is who he says he was? If so, then the resurrection changes everything about everything. So if you're going to be, um, you're wondering about Jesus, want to have that conversation about him four weeks beginning on Easter um, Sunday, all right? So you have found yourself here now in essentially what is part five of a six-part series called Home Improvement And this series has been a team teaching event between myself, uh, Joel Buffington, family pastor, and Chuck Holt, director of the Factory Ministries. Again, this morning, Chuck has another teaching obligation in another church so can't be with us this morning, so we're going to give him the business when he's back next week. All right, so any tough questions that you have, we'd like you to save them for next week for Chuck. And, and bring it out with guns, guns blazing next week, okay? Um, but here's how we've been, been working. We've been going after this series, and the why of why we're doing this is simply this to give vision, help, and hope for families, marriages, and parents. Vision, help, and hope, families, marriages, and parents. And the way this works is it's a shorter teaching series. We're going to use this table over here in a minute to sit down around the, this table and talk. Um, Shirley Mass is going to be moderating. This phone number up here is a number you can text any questions to you have through the course of the message or at the tail end of it. So feel free to fire away. If it's a question you have that you're embarrassed that Shirley knows about, just say, hey, I've got a friend who wonders, okay? And then, and then that's it, all right? And then we'll, we'll just know. Um, now we'll really know that's you, okay? But anyway, so, uh, you know, fire those questions off to, to Shirley. So this morning, um, we're talking about giving vision, help, and hope to, to families, marriages, and parents. And so this morning, we're talking about parenting. And so how do you um, summarize parenting in a, a short quick deal how do you kind of bring that together and so here's here's what i want to do to kind of bring that together i want to let let this little company tell the story of parenting good until the end. I mean, they're kind of emotional, and then they throw in the buy a Volkswagen thing, which is kind of a killer of emotion. But okay, so this is a story of parenting, right? Uh, bringing this little child home, and then kind of nurturing them, and watching them grow up, and then kind of sending them off into the world. And, and a great imagery of really, in that case, especially a protective father in the role of, of dad. Um, a great little deal. Now, there are many of you this morning um, who are not parents, or many of you are listening online later who are not parents, and you've kind of already checked out or thinking of checking out, just for a minute, just for a minute, check in just for a second. And if after I'm done saying this, you want to check back out again, that's fine. But just check in for a second, okay? Because here's what I want to say to you. Um, if you're younger you're not yet a parent yet, you're not even thinking about dating anybody yet or whatever, you know, or you're, you're older. But here, here's the thing. Parenting, and if you're a parent, you know this. Parenting is really just about who in the world you are as a person and how who you are gets pushed out in the context of your home and who you are in the best and the worst moments. And so parenting is less about, and this morning is not going to be about, parenting is less about picking up tips on how to, how to nurse a child or wean them off the bottle or you know, teach them to share toys and you know, help them learn to drive a car and dating well. Parenting is less about the technique, and parenting is really about who you are as a person. Because that is absolutely, by default, what gets pushed out of you in the home environment. Because parenting is tough stuff. And it pushes you and it pushes me in the most inconvenient of times. Most inconvenient times to be making the right decisions. So, if you're not a parent or anything like that yet, I just want you to say what I have to say this morning has impact on you just in terms of who you become as a person. And so the challenge, while focused on parents this morning, is also a challenge for you of who are you becoming. Who are you becoming? Because you will have influence. You will have influence on little people around you in some way, shape, and form. And so the issue is, yes, about parents in particular, but also there's impact for you as a man, as a woman, as a young man, young woman, whatever it is, on who you are becoming, because that really, in many ways, is what parenting is about, okay? So, that being said, now, if you don't agree with that, and you think, whatever, I'm going to play my phone for now until you're done speaking, that's your call, but I want you to know, I think there's something there for who you are as a person, okay? Um, i would also say this, here's what I've learned in the course of my parenting years, which have been about 12 years now, um, so it's not not as long as some of you, longer than others, but Um, I've come to realize that there's a direct correlation between my confidence about talking about parenting and the amount of time that I've been a parent in reverse order. So the longer I'm a parent, the less confident I feel to speak about parenting at all is what I'm saying to you, okay? So when you don't have any kids, you are an expert on parenting, and then the longer that they are around, the less of an expert you become. It's amazing how that happens, and that's kind of the way I feel. And yet this morning, we're talking about the ideal of parenting, and so I'm tasked in a short amount of time to give to you something that is an ideal to raise your hopes, raise your vision of what you can and should become as a parent and as an individual, a man and a woman before God. And so I'm going to lay out to you stuff, like man, I don't know if I always do that. But hey, let's talk about it. You know, to be honest with you, this is a challenge and a struggle. But this is what we do. The alternative is not to talk about the ideal, not to talk about the best, and then just kind of get mired in mediocrity, which I know none of you really want to do. So we're going to talk about the ideal. We're going to push into that, knowing that this is a, a challenge and a struggle for us. So um, I want to I want to think for a moment with you um, about the. Uh, the reality of where our culture comes from okay i want to think about where our culture comes from when it comes to parenting um, i found this quote from uh, dr philip uh, dembo <laughs> kind of sounds like dumbo but it's not that just came to me that was free i don't know why okay dr philip dembo um, and he was, he was quoting this kind of popular psychologist-level guy, and here's what he says. Here's what he says about parenting, okay? So this is, I want to enter for a moment the world that we live in of what how does the world that we live in speak about what you and I should do as parents or, again, as, as individuals who will be influencing children. Here we go. I believe that the goal of parenting must be to raise children to develop as a fully engaged person who is able to navigate through their own experience while feeling comfortable in their own skin, Okay. Now, I'm emphasizing their own experience and their own skin because this is, I believe, what by and large our culture will teach and push us toward is that your goal as a parent should be to allow your children freedom to find themselves, have their own experience. Don't don't point them in a direction. Just kind of keep them from killing themselves, okay, and others generally, okay, sometimes, and and keep them alive and then kind of let them find themselves, because they are, I mean, here's what we're saying, they are the center of the universe. We don't quite put it that way, but that's what happens, right, if if this is true. And this is, I believe, by and large, the, the push that you and I will see as we kind of engage at a pop culture level of, uh, man, how do we raise kids? Well, there's not really a right way or a wrong way. There's just kind of... You know, navigate with them, and I'm for that. I understand different personalities, and we've raised our three kids differently on the same issue. We've with their personalities. I'm not saying don't ever flex with personalities. I'm saying, is there something bigger than simply, man, I hope my kid becomes the best they can be? Is there something more than that? Now, here's what the discussion about parenting kind of comes into in, in pop culture as well. If you go on parenting.com, one of the leading <laughs> parenting websites for help about how you survive different stages. As I was searching parenting.com for a what's my goal, okay, why parenting at all, basically I didn't find anything. Here's, here's what happens on parenting.com and in parenting discussions is it really becomes a, a question of what's in front of me and how do I handle it. And so, uh, wow, we're pregnant. What's going to happen? Let me go to a website and find out what to do. Oh, man, we just had a kid. New dad, what do I experience? I need advice on how to deal with that. Man, our kid is teething. What do I do? How do I do potty training, okay? And, we just, and how do we share toys? They're killing each other, you know. Do they share rooms? At what age do they split up? And, and how do we navigate the kindergarten years and all that comes with going to school and all that stuff? And so at every level, what I see along the way is we are concerned about how do I get through the level the stage of men, but I want to back it up a little bit and say, to what end? What is the goal? Is it just survival? Oh, I got, I got through pregnancy. Honestly, that might be good enough. Okay? I, I speak with no authority there whatsoever, but that might be good enough. But then, okay, here we are. We have all these little kids that are running through our homes and in our families. To what end? What is the goal? What is the purpose? What is the bigger picture of parenting? What is the bigger picture? And is there, and here's my question, kind of is there such a thing as biblical, quote-unquote, parenting? Now, the Bible wasn't written to be a rule book on parenting, okay? It wasn't written that way. It's not like we pick it up and say, man, this is, thank you, God, for giving me a rule book on parenting. No, we get principles and ideas from it, but is there a bigger picture, a bigger view of how we can view our, our parenting? Now, what we often do, if we're honest as parents, is we know more of what we don't want than what we do want, Right? Like, I know that I don't want my kids, let's say, um, hooked on drugs, um, in prison, okay, um, mostly. Um, <laughs> sometimes that may not hurt. Um, just for a night. I mean, or maybe just a quick visit. No, I'm kidding. Um, and I know, I know more easily what I don't want than what I, what I do want. And, and it's, it's harder to verbalize, this is what I'm going after. This is the big picture, but that's kind of what I want to get after. And, and I'll also say this. As parents, um, we want to protect the people around us, the little kids around us. Um, and that's just part of our nurturing and development. Uh, so I remember, and I asked my, my oldest daughter, Megan, if I could share the story, but as she's going off to school, and it's kind of more nerve-wracking, I think, for parents than, than kids, she's going off to kindergarten, you know, big bad kindergarten, and the bus rolls up, and you know, Jen and I were like, we need to just send her on the bus right away, and you know, we need to do it, and trust, you know, it was like a, one-tenth-of-a-mile trip from our house to the school, you know. I mean, it wasn't very far. Like, let's let her go on the bus and all that. So it was a terrible experience on the bus. But after a while, after a while, she begins to trust the bus and all that, and we, you know, get her on the bus. Well, it's Halloween week, and like normal, October or whatever, we, we send her out the, the lane, our little little walk, actually, um, to wait for the bus. Um, and by that point, we had trusted enough of the whole system that we were fine to, okay, see you later, honey, have a good day at school about a minute later, there's this blood-curdling scream. And, and I'm like, that's Megan. Like, did she get hit? You know, I mean, what, what in the world? And she comes tearing back to the house. And I'm like, whoa, 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 come on, whoa, what's, what's wrong, what's wrong? Turns out it's, it's, you know, Halloween week, so the bus driver was dressed as a witch with, with a full mask on. Ooh, yeah, driving a bus full of kids. Now, later on, it scared me too, okay, to be honest. Later on, the bus driver comes back on the, on the return route, and she's like, I'm sorry, I couldn't take it off. It was glued to my face. I'm like, you shouldn't have told me that. Like, <laughs> You kidding me? Okay, so, but here's my default reaction, and here's Jen's too. It's like, we want to protect you from that moment. And so, by default, as a parent, then I kick into, okay, well maybe we should drive her. Like, maybe, maybe, how can we kind of protect her from this wicked bus driver, right? I mean, how can we keep her safe? And, and what I end up teaching her, if I'm not careful, if I don't have a plan, what I end up teaching her is, hey, you be dependent on me. Be dependent on me. I can answer all of life's problems for you. And if I don't have a bigger vision, that's all it becomes. And I know and you know it's not enough because I'm never enough. Answer the real issues that my kids need, and that is how do I, even in those moments, turn the heart of my children to faith in God? As parents and as people, it is by default our natural desire to protect the people around us. But if we don't have a broader vision of why am I doing this, what am I doing, we will, along the course of time, develop children who may or may not really be in tune with the heart of our God. Okay, So I want to talk about that this morning. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. That's in the middle of your Bible, Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, and Solomon, pretty smart guy, is writing in in this section, and essentially um, he lays out for us a principle. I want you to hear me say that. This is a principle, not a promise. It's a principle, okay? Meaning that the book of Proverbs is not full of like vending machine moments where you just plug in 50 cents, a dollar, and then you get out exactly what you put in. They are, these are not guarantees. These are general life principles, okay? This is the way the book of Proverbs is set up. So Proverbs 22, verse 1, Solomon is writing, and he says this, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now, in the context of parenting or, or kind of being influ- influencing kids, this is so important because a good name is more desirable than great riches. This opens the door to what we want to do as parents. We want to raise kids who have a good reputation. We want to influence people who have a good reputation, that their legacy, that their name is well is well respected right no one wants to raise a kid who's known as the next whatever Jeffrey Dahmer or Adolf Hitler there's a reason we don't use even those names at all because we don't want that name Adolf right associated with our children are you kidding me a good name is more desirable now here's the, the tension here's a hard question to ask as parents whose name this way which name in the course of raising kids are you more concerned about The first name of your kid or the last name of your kid? And that's a challenging question, right? (laughs) Am I more concerned about my kid for who they are or for how they represent me? First name, last name. Challenging question to keep asking. Solomon goes on and he writes uh, in verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, but I want to jump over to verse 6 in Proverbs 22. So shoot down. This is he sets it up. A more name is desirable, more desirable than than great riches, to be esteemed well. And then he says in verse 6, which is, our premise for this morning train a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not turn from it train a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't turn from it okay again principle not a promise some of you like me have grown up in homes where kids have gone in completely different directions and you wonder did mom and dad do something different here or there no Children are raised and they're individual thinkers. Okay, so they can choose what they want to do. But Solomon is saying, "Train a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he won't depart from it." My question is, Solomon, what is the way? Wouldn't it be nice if he just said, "And here's the way: right? train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it." Like Solomon, you're a smart guy. So tell me, tell me the way. What is the way that the child should go? And so I back up to context. What, what did Solomon say just before this? And so go to verse 4 and 5 of your text. Humility, verse 4, and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far from them. Humility and the fear of the Lord, okay? All right. Humility and the fear of the Lord. Now, in the larger context, if you keep that in mind, keep that in your brain, larger context of the entire book or collection of writings or sayings of Proverbs, Solomon begins it this way in in chapter 1, verse 1. He says, you'll see it up here on the screen. He says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, he's writing this whole collection for this reason, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what's right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Oh, okay. So in order to get all of that, to get all of that wisdom, what do I do? Where do I begin? And here's what he says in verse 7. The fear of the Lord, and this verse is familiar to many of you, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, but fools despise this wisdom and discipline. That it seems to me that it's not a difficult jump for me to say, and Solomon is writing in chapter 22, verse 1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. And verse 4 talks about the concept of the fear of the Lord. chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, where he sets up the entire collection of the Proverbs and talks about if you want to get anything, get this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I don't think it's too far of a jump to go this way, to say this, that what if, let me put it this way, what if the highest calling for a parent is to create an environment at home that relentlessly points kids to God? What if that the highest calling for you as a parent or as an individual who may influence little children is, particularly for parents now, to create an environment at home that relentlessly points kids to God. That instead of in the context of the witch bus driver says, man, let me protect you and provide everything that I need for you. What if, yes, we deal with that immediate fear, but we also go deeper and talk about what do we do when we're afraid? Who do we trust in this world? And we take our children beyond simply let me provide for you in this moment of your life and be the one who is your God, essentially. And we, we lift your eyes up to say, whoa, there is more to this world. We want you to de- be dependent, not just on mom and dad, but to be dependent on a God who is above your mom and dad. That if it is, we talk about families at the beginning of this series, that if families are designed, if you will, by God to impress upon children, a heart for God, then it seems to follow that parenting, that the greatest or the highest calling for you and for me as a parent, is to create an environment at home where my kids are constantly pushed to the fear of the Lord. Fear in the sense of respect, honor, and value for who he is. Not fear in the sense of cowering in the corner, but understanding that this world is not all that we see. Because you, you know this as a parent, even if you're not a parent and you see little children around, you want the very best for those kids, don't you? I mean, kids that you may not even really like, right? You've just thought of a lot of those little kids. You may not even like them. Snotty-nosed little bratty kids. But at the end of the day, you still want the best for those kids. And so the question is, what is the very best that we can ever conceive of for children? And that is to know the very best best to know the God of the universe so within the context of your home as a dad or a mom that it seems to me not a jump to say our role is to create an environment at home where we are constantly pointing our children beyond us to the next level of respect and honor for who God is so that they find not only themselves which is important but they also find God in this process Now, I want to just say this, and then we're going to ask for your Q&A. So if you haven't had questions yet, fire them off to to Shirley. Now, um, I want to take you real briefly to the book of Ephesians. We're just going to do it up here so you can see where you are in your text. Ephesians chapter 6, in in the King James Version, it says this. Because I want to push it down just a little bit, push this nail down a little bit from the principle down to the real life a little bit. And ye fathers, I think you have to read this in like Old English. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I'm not very good at that voice, okay? But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, I have that up there because many of you are familiar with that concept, nurture and admonition. Nurture and admonition. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Message says it this way, the message translation. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. That there is, particularly given to dads, and this is unique, men, we've got to address this issue and understand the power of your voice, And your influence at home, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Paul, when writing to the church in Ephesus, is saying he doesn't even deal with moms. Honestly, in Ephesians 6, he doesn't talk to them. He talks to us as men at home. He says, fathers, nurture and admonish. Lead them. Be firm with them. And we're good at being firm when you cross that line. Listen, you just wait till your dad comes home because dad's known to be the the heavy. But what if dad's also known to be just as good at the nurture? What if he's also known to be just as good at the nurturing, okay? So nurture and admonition of the Lord, and that is a little more challenging. Now, let me throw these questions up here for the fun of it, and then we're going to talk, okay? So if you haven't had uh, time to throw your questions out to Shirley, go ahead and do that. Four questions for you. Number one, and then we can talk about these. Number one, are you more concerned with the first name of the little person in your home or the last name of the little person in your home? And this is a challenging question, if I'm honest. There are times when I think, boy, I don't want, I don't want to be embarrassed if I'm honest I think you you've been there too that you know what <laughs> this is that's my problem that is a pride issue for me my focus is on my first the first name needs to be on the first name of my kids okay number 2 what needs to change in me for the sake of my children and this is why I say this is important even if you're not a parent because parenting is about modeling the behavior and so if you're if you are wrestling with stuff if you're fighting through stuff that you haven't addressed or dealt with yet I mean you can just guarantee just book it your kids are going to wrestle with it too. Just, just mark that down, right? Take that to the bank twice. Because if you're wrestling with issues of self sufficiency, if you think that your strength is good enough, your savvy is good enough, your abilities are good enough, I can guarantee you, you're going to lead children the exact same way. It's j- it just going to happen. J- just guarantee it. And so, if parenting is really about modeling, and that's what it is, what needs to change in me for the sake of my kids that their hearts will be turned toward God? Okay? Number three. Where are my kids on my calendar? Very practical question. As you lay out all that you do, your work, your hobbies, the fun stuff you do, where are my kids on my calendar, okay? And number four, and with that, I'm going to invite Joel and and, uh, Shirley up here. What words of truth am I speaking to my kids? What words of truth am I speaking to my kids? So, yeah, come on up, guys. So the question is, how am I kind of creating a reality for my children? If words are the tools we use to create reality, what words am I using consistently to create a reality for my kids? Yeah. And, and dads, I can't, I can't emphasize enough, especially for your girls, that they know who they are because of you, not because of the most handsome boy who walks through the door or the cutest guy or whatever. That they hear it from you. And, and with your boys, that they know your hope and vision for them, to be men of God, to be strong and brave, but good and kind young men as well. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of your words that creates a reality and a shaping influence within your home environment, okay? So nurture and admonition, pointing our kids to God. All right, ready for questions? Here we go. Shirley?
1: Thanks, Tim. We still have... I'm pretty good at actually like reading and talking at the same time, or if I'm not, it'll be really entertaining if I'm not. So feel free to keep continuing to text your questions in, even as we're talking, and we'll fit in as many as we can and still get you guys home for lunch. Joel, do you want to give us a reflections back on the sermon, message?
2: I appreciate uh, Tim's emphasis about creating an environment that points kids to Christ. Um, you know, I I firmly believe that God has designed the home, particularly parenting and with, through this particular lens, uh, as to be the primary, um, training center for, uh, you know, for, for kids. And so it's a learn, it's a learning environment. And as a result of that, we have God in his infinite knowledge has created, um, the home to be that kind of place, because he he gives us moment by moment by moment in the hallways, the bathrooms the the basements, there are opportunities that we have every single day on a regular basis to have a real moment of ministry, and we turn those moments, or at least may, maybe not you, but I, I have found myself turning those moments of ministry into moments dealing with the mundane and what I mean by that is is that I can be dealing with issues that are going on with my my kids, or I found myself doing that, dealing with you know arguments or you know disappointments or or you know why didn't you do this and, and and take those those opportunities to deal with the regular stuff, without sometimes taking that higher view of seeing that this is an opportunity to speak God's truth and point them to Christ in the middle of the mundane things that happens in the ball in the kitchens, the bathrooms, the basements of of our home, and so that's. I, I come along and say, "Yay, Ra, Yes, this is what we're all
0: about." And I thought it was really good this morning, man. I just <laughs> want to say, I, I didn't wow. really ask you didn't for ask your me. feedback. Okay, I'll, you wanted, I'll let, you know, you, turn, know. I'll let okay. you know when your turn right, comes up. I you wanted to know. I'll let right. you know when yeah. your yeah. turn comes <laughs> up.
1: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, um, here's a question about. You know, you talked about. Okay, how do we, how do we do this in the daily life at home? And and I thought this was an an interesting response to that, where they said in today's environment and our busy schedules, it seems as if creating an environment at home isn't enough because, you know, by the time they get to a certain age, they're running everywhere, okay? Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how do we continue to create this environment outside the home with extracurriculars and activities and so on.
0: Uh, um, Okay. I'm not sure how to take control of an organization that runs extracurricular activities. I don't know if that's where they're going. Like, In other words, I don't know that the answer is just get all of our kids surrounded by all the right people all the time and not allow them to have exposure to other, other kids. Although, um, who our kids hang out with is clearly an important issue. Um, so I'm not quite sure if the question is... Um, what the question is getting after, I guess. Uh, I don't know who texted if you want to follow up, because I may or may well, not Well or, or
1: even perhaps, even how do I pull that outside the home? Okay, when I'm in the home, I understand. Right at bedtime, I'm gonna be reading Bible stories and you know, whatever, right. okay.
0: Until they're 27.
1: Exactly, yep. it's what we do with Derek every night. Yep. Yeah, And um, so.
0: <laughs> I can tell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: So outside yeah. the home, um, I don't know that, I'm not sure that I'm clear on, on where to go with the question. Um, are you getting the, the sense of the question? I guess what I, I'm saying, I, I, now, now having said that, now I have something to say. <laughs> so think about that. Thanks for, <laughs> no, Thanks for I don't, that second I needed. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking.
1: And you thought my job was easy, I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. Here, here, here's what I know. This is, this is true. I think, I think whoever texted that would probably agree with this. That we And I always say this, um, so you guys might get tired of that, but we always make time for what's most important, right? We always make time for what's most important. That question may not be getting after that issue, so I may have missed the focus of your question but we always make time for what's most important so if i'm afraid in other words if i'm afraid i'm losing influence over my children because they're more involved in other things than than you know still hanging out with me and me and mom or whatever um, then i need to reconsider are there ways that i can get myself involved with what my children are doing at this stage because things change i mean you move from being the answer to all life's problems, to kind of being a coach, to mentor, whatever, and so maybe the answer is, all right, then I get involved in the extracurricular activities, or I get involved, I serve at the church, and I help them, um, you know, in whatever capacity it is, or, you know what, I cut my work day back a little bit, and I'm home when they're home. If they're only home for 30 minutes, I'm going to figure out a way to be there during that time, and I'm going to kind of bug into their life. Now, I didn't cover this in the message, but research will tell you, and our practical experience tells you, and here's important, especially moms and dads of teenagers, you are the most influential people in your children's lives. Data will tell us that, research tells us that, and just your honest experience. So don't let your kids push you out of their lives. Now, you know, don't be annoying to them, but don't exasperate your children, but stay engaged and figure out ways that you can adjust your schedule to get after that. Now, I may not be hitting the, the question, but did you want to add anything to that, Joel? Well,
2: the, only, the only other thought uh, that would go along with that is a little bit of experience I've had with with our kids as they were uh, involved in a, in a lot of things. But there's also a word called no. Um, and sometimes I think in our effort as parents to want to give our kids as many opportunities as, as they can, sometimes we can end up having the kids' extracurricular activities be driving the home and shaping the home more than the parents and uh, the influences that we want to have with, with, our, with our kids. So... Um, we've offered this before, limit, you know, <laughs> there's one sport, you know, or, or whatnot, because we're, we're driven by those kind of things. So you, make, you make some choices. Or getting involved, as Tim was talking about, getting involved in the, in the extracurricular activity. And I would say, hey, let's do this at church and then let it move out. That's just personally. Uh, and then the other thing is at, on the way. There's opportunities on the way singing in the car or you know we, we did that with our kids can you imagine uh, we, we would talk a lot in the car and um, constantly I, I really took to, to heart an example from my parents or something like that and you can ask my, my boys about this that we'd be driving along we were talking about God because God made that tree and this tree was really really cool and those kinds of things the opportunities that you have to talk about current, current events that are going on and build into them a, world, a Christian worldview. Those, those opportunities uh, abound. So, well, and I th-
1: And I think your point about, saying you know, sometimes you have to say no, it can be, I found, I really felt that struggle as a parent where I felt like, well, I should give my child every single opportunity, mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe the, maybe what you're saying is the best gift I give them is the boundaries to say, no, we're not gonna give go do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it gives you the time then. Um, a change of, of focus here a bit. Um, blessed are the step-parents, this questioner asks, for they choose to love others' kids. Mm -hmm. How do we balance teenagers' needs or desires for freedom and independence with parental authority as they get closer to 18? I didn't say they'd be easy questions.
0: I'll say this quick, and then I'll turn it over to you, Joel. Um, You're welcome. Uh, We're talking a little bit more about the broken realities next week, but I really appreciate the questioner's mentality and spirit behind that yes loving stepchildren an intentional act of service and love and an an incredibly profound um gift to give to to children who many who cannot verbalize it but will feel um somewhat somewhat lost or troubled or confused as to why you know dad or mom is not even there anymore so i know many of you are in that category um keep it up, really encouraged and really impressed and proud of, of men and women who, who do that well. Um, I, I just can't underscore that enough. Now, I don't have kids who are of that age yet. I have principles in mind, but I've also learned that principles are different than reality. So, Joel, if you have something you want to say to that end, we'll give you the floor.
2: Well, I, I, I don't have step step kids or, or anything like that, but I've known uh, many, many godly uh, step parents that have been able to step into the role of, uh, of, of parenting and the only thing that I, I could say is, okay, let's, as a parent, let's make sure that we're following the biblical principles that have given to us about how, how to interact with each other, with husband and wife, and how to interact with kids. And as, as we respect uh, and, and love well um, and don't exacerbate, <laughs> whatever that word is, I never can say that word. That's I'm terrible, man yeah don't don 't take them off you know that kind of thing have 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 good conversations and honest honest interaction and it, and, and when you 're wrong admit you're, admit you 're wrong when you 're right you don 't have to celebrate that because they they know that and and so developing that relationship where where whatever that relationship may be at whatever age that may be, I would just say it is with, as it would be with any parent you 've got to you 've got to be honest you 've got to communicate you have to be transparent you have to admit your your mistakes. And uh, uh, those things tend tend to work work themselves out as you pursue honesty and truthfulness and and right decision making, right you know ways of, of parenting. Uh, that would be my 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 best advice.
1: Well, and I'm kind of cheating here a little bit because some of you guys sent in really great questions a couple weeks ago that better applied to today. So I'm pulling some of them out mm-hmm. just because I can do that. Um, because the follow up to that is okay. You talked about like whether it's a step-family or a whatever the other kind is. Nuclear. Nuclear. Fan, thank you. See? Between the two of us, we'll come up with and our it words. it feels nuclear sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sometimes <days> it does. <laughs> so, you know, regardless of the situation, you, know, you talked about the teens. How do you deal with that as the, as the in influencing them? Talk to me a bit about how does a parent influence an adult child? Well, an adult, yeah. How... How does today's message apply to me? My children are all adults. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my question, though. No, I it's just a fair. It it's, a,
0: it's a fair question, and I, I think the the textbook answer, and you can speak to this too, Joel. but the the, tech, the textbook answer is <clears throat> essentially understanding your role change in that stage of life, moving more toward a coach or mentor role than than early on. And so, this is a real challenge. I can I can imagine it in theory, but not in practice. As I haven't been there yet, but. I have seen the incremental change even as my oldest gets older and my children all get older and I don't get older, but they get older, and I've seen that fear that comes with a new stage of life and, boy, will they fail, and how much do I stay involved to help and how much do I let them fail, you know, in that process. So to me, I I have a sense that the issues change, but some of the underlying principles stay the same about how much am I trusting in God and how much am I pointing them toward God, and then... In increasing measure, helping them make decisions without telling them what to do. And that, I haven't been to that stage yet. I haven't been to that land. So I can't speak from personal experience. But that's what I'm speaking kind of in theory on that level. Um, but I, I, at a theoretical level, having been a young adult, I guess I can speak from experience there, I found it most helpful when I have felt the confidence um, to express my doubts, fears, concerns about everything about the universe. And not be judged or criticized by a parent or an adult, and allow them to kind of coach and mentor me along the way, with, without them saying you're thinking wrong about that. Let me tell you the right way to think, and here's what you do. Sounds good.
1: Okay, then got the rubber stamp of approval. There we go. From the one who actually has an adult child, it's good. Um, you talked about you talked about creating this environment in the home that relentlessly points our kids yeah. to God. Um, and And one of our questions was you know the, to follow up on that bus story, you know, the bus driver mm-hmm. I, so as we're creating that environment, how do we wisely prepare our children for the witches of the world the you know that
0: yeah send them to. New Holland Elementary School, evidently, five years ago or seven years yeah. ago, and that'll, that'll do it. Evidently,
1: uh, the secret is just driving your kids to school. Yeah.
0: Well, the question is, how do we prepare the kids for the tough stuff of life? Isn't I, I don't know. I guess the short answer is don't overprotect them. Okay? And, and that's that's open, open for a lot of interpretation. But again, that's, a hard, what,
1: that's a hard thing you just said, though. Well, yeah.
0: Well, big deal, right? <laughs> But well, what happens when we overprotect? I mean, yes, we feel better as parents, as our kids aren't in so much trouble, they don't have as so much stress. We solve the problem, but what do we do? We position ourselves then as God in their lives. Like all I need is mom and dad, and that's not that's not an end game. That's a that's a bad plan. I mean, that, that's not going to work. I'm not I'm not enough for my kids. I, I, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm too inconsistent. I get angry. I mean, I. I I'm not God, and so when I overprotect, I'm basically saying God's not enough to protect him. I need to do that, and so here we go. Now, I'm not going to underprotect either. I'm not going to, oh, hey, you know, you're crying. Come in and close the door. You know, deal with it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And so, yes, there's this fine balance of how do we do that, but I think that overprotection deal can be pretty, pretty, pretty difficult. But that's the continuing conversation with parents, I think, of, you know, are we going too far? Are we putting ourselves in a position where we are kind of God here, or are we taking this moment of fear and saying wow, there's a legitimate issue. Let's talk about that, and let's also talk about what faith looks like in the context of that that situation.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would echo those those sentiment. But I also say that um, we're we're the goal is to from from day one, our influence is at the top, and their independence is at the bottom. And as they grow, those things converge, and then they switch, and so. Um, to prepare them for We have to be willing to let them fail. Uh, we have to, to, to allow them to make mistakes. And the best place for them to make mistakes is in the home because that's the safest environment for them to be able to make mistakes. And so every single mistake that the kids make within the home, I, there, there, there are some battles to be fought. But there are some battles to just over, you know, over, overlook. And as we allow our kids to to learn and make mistakes, now, now I'm not, not saying just you know let them, let them mess around the home and, and don't do anything. Always have the always have the conversation. Always, always, always be pointing them. Always do the redemptive work that's in there. But you know, we can. I've I've told my boys, hey, if you do this, is gonna this is gonna happen, and then we've let them happen, and you know. From, from the time that they were little, Bryson, don't do that, this is gonna happen. And sure enough, and we're getting stitches, the next thing that you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was like, I told you that that would happen. You know, <laughs> those, uh, but, but they, have to, they have to, you know, to learn those, those kind of things uh, uh, along the way. But as we allow them to make decisions, there are other times whenever it's okay, this is, what, what is going on here? We need to intervene, we need to intervene now. Uh, because of the potential of what, what could go cool. on. So there's just this wisdom that you have to gain by experience. But we, as you walk with them, you know, the safest place for them to make those mistakes should be the home. The safest place for them to explode and have a meltdown is in the home. And then we'll deal about, okay, then how do you say your words and how do you approach and how do you express your anger? We'll talk about that later, but let's get it out and get the thing on the table so that
0: we can talk about that.
1: Yeah, and we, we need to wrap this up. There are a couple more questions that were great questions that are going to tie in really nicely next week, so okay. we'll Excellent. come back to that then.
0: Hey, guys, thank you for your engagement with this. I appreciate that. I appreciate hearing from you and talking with you, um, and we hope it's helpful to keep getting after, raising the, our eyes to things that are well above us and our own ability to do this. So Thanks, Shirley and Joel. Uh, let's pray together this morning to wrap it up. Father, thanks for the opportunity this morning to be together. We're grateful for it and grateful for the time to come around this issue, this topic. And really speak to and work toward the idea of modeling um, in our own lives and our own hearts, kind of getting after the things in which we need to um, to give control to you, to point people around us toward the God of the universe and not toward our own abilities. I pray for the men in particular here, the fathers, who men who are in that role, and even men who one day would aspire to be fathers. I pray that you'd give them courage and vision to see how important a role they have as dads and as men to shape in such a profound and life-changing way the kids around them. That's so, so significant what they say and, and sometimes, unfortunately, what they don't say, too. So, Father, give us grace for where we've really blown it and strength to pick up from here and do the right thing moving forward. Um, and I pray for um, for the wives and the the, uh, the moms in here that you'd continue to give courage and strength um, for the the daily work of supporting the home and and uh, and working in in all of what it means to be a nurturing, caring um, mother in in all of that what that entails. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning and pray your blessing on us in Jesus' name.